we declare war. It's a statement I've thought about all week because when you make a de declaration like that, you have to back it up. And you've got to make it happen. I don't know if you've had that in your lives too many times. People say something and don't follow through. Anybody been around that before? It's not fun sometimes. You, you, you're like, okay, and then nothing happens. Um, I want Remnant Church to be a church that says what they say and they mean what they say and they do what they say across the board. And, you know, we all make mistakes and jack up on that at times, but we try our best. And I think declaring war and really having that focus of saying, you know what, basically we're going to take this right here, the word of God, and we're actually going to apply it to everything we do now. We declare war. You want to know what the blueprint is? It's right here. Yeah. It's just Bible. It's this word. You know what I love? I, gotta, I just got to give a shout out real quick. I love seeing people, these students right here. I don't know if you're looking, but they got their Bibles. They got their notebooks. They got their pens. They got their paper. And they're ready, they ready to take notes and retain what is being said. And, um, and, and don't let that just fall off, students. I've been to youth camps. And... Um, one thing I know that's different here is that we have awesome leaders and, and uh, student leader, all these leaders back here that will help you, keep you accountable and help you lift you up in that so that you can continue to grow in the word of God. And so keep bringing your Bibles, change the culture of that. Let that be something that's a natural thing, not like, oh, that's weird. Bring that. Good. Amen. Good. We're quick to read something else that don't apply to God, but we're real hesitant to read the word of God. I'm not saying novels aren't bad, but that's not my source. My source is this. This is my consumption. I'll read a good book, but I'm not always reading a good book over this book. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that, that, that's the, the whole deal. My book glows. Don't judge me, but it glows. And it's cool if your book glows as long as you got power. As long as, when power goes out, you, you're stuck unless you hide the word in your heart so you don't sin against it. Amen? Amen. Listen, I, I know this is a shouting church. When you declare war, there's a war cry. There's, there's, there's this there's excitement in the air. Too many times we've set idol as a church. We've set idol to not doing anything. And it's time to declare war. Now, don't, now listen, we told the story last week. If you weren't here, we talked about David and Goliath and David bringing uh, ham sandwiches to his brothers. And... I don't know if there was ham, but there was bread and cheese, so they didn't have a griddle to make grilled cheese, but they made something. They were hungry, and David got stirred up because uh, Lurch was up there making statements to God. Lurch. <laughs> Is that a good one or what? Um, that's the only way I can describe him. It's his busted head. The guy, hey, you guys, what about that guy? That guy from uh, Goonies. Yeah, he was up there too, um, him and his brothers. Um, <laughs> up there making stupid statements that God's not real and he ain't going to do it. And David's like, heck no. But see, here's the thing. When they declared that they were going to go to battle, I bet everybody was hyping, throwing whatever, their pickaxes and all their stuff, slamming them together. Let's go! They get out on the field like, no! And that shout became a hush because they didn't know how to declare that. But David saw something different. He's like, I've been spending time privately with the Lord, not just because of the bear and the lion, but my private life has been a worship life. So I'll declare war because I know who he is in me. And so when you declare war, no matter what 
the circumstance, how big it is, how jacked up it is. I don't care what the, the statement says on the paper and somebody's got it. Anybody else got a doctor's report as long as this thing? Don't make me unfold this. I'll show you how long this report is of your negativity of what's wrong with your body, what's wrong with your home, what's wrong with your finances, and what's wrong. I don't care what the report is. When God dwells in you and you have his spirit rolling through you and you are worshiping through all that, you declare war no matter how big, how ugly, how jacked up his face is, giant, you declare war against it. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The end. And I love it because this isn't the story we're getting into, but it, it just gets me fired up because David wasn't the biggest guy. David was the, the runt, the, 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 the smallest one. You ever see that when you go pick out a dog? There's like, there's this little, little runt over here. All of them are hanging out, and somebody has a soft heart for the runts. I'm like, oh, it's you? Yeah, he's a mess now, though. Yeah. Okay. But, but see, David wasn't, wasn't what they thought. Because when they got Saul, Saul was, it says that when Saul became the first king of Israel, he was big and stuff. He had the, he looked good and, you know, everything. That whole outer word appearance was, I guess that was what they were looking for. Man, you're a good looking king. That's what we need, that guy. But inside, he was jacked up. Inside, he didn't have it all together. Inside, he, he's out there, wasn't chasing uh, sheep. He was chasing other animals. You know, like he, he was a mess. And the biggest thing is, is he was offering his own different sacrifices when it wasn't time for that yet and he took matters into his own hands instead of leaving it up to God and this is where we get into um, things that we struggle with sometimes because if we declare war we have to give it all to the Lord because that's how the battle is won we've talked about things when I think about declaring war and at the very beginning um, you see the bell up here um, the bell represented something different from the last time we were together when you ring the bell it meant I was done. I didn't want to do this anymore. Most of the time when there's a bell in like a bunker like this and there's, there's a war, there is. It's basically we're going to rally everybody together. It's not time to eat. I know you guys are hungry. Roasts are burning, all that. It's almost time for Ponderosa. We're getting close, but whatever. Um, is it time to eat? I'm hungry. You know, but this, this right here is the rally bell. This is let's go. It's time for war. When, when something was about to attack, there's always an alarm that sets off. In the Bible, there was a horn that would be blown, and uh, the horn wasn't blown the same way every time if there was just this random person up there. Like, okay, what's that mean? You know, if there was a purpose why things were sounding, sounds had purpose behind it, not just to, make, not just to do it because you can do it. And too many times, I've seen so many times throughout churches and growing up and stuff, people are blowing shofars, waving stuff, and don't even know what they're even doing. What are you doing? And you have to have purpose behind what you do or there's confusion and without knowledge, people perish. We gotta bring knowledge to all this. So that bell for this is, is about the, the rally, the coming together. And when I think about declaring war, I always think, and I love it, uh, is like the SEAL teams. Sometimes, I don't, I don't know if it's back on, but I got watching that SEAL Team 6 or whatever on TV and those crazy guys. Um, just how crazy those guys were. You had a, an uncle that was an ex-SEAL team member, which is pretty crazy to hear stories about that during the desert storm, I think. Um, you know, to be a SEAL, a SEAL is crazy. I mean, it, it's just not like, you know, I'm going to sign up and be a SEAL, and then we're just going to do that. No. We've talked about how hard it is to become a SEAL. 
um, a Navy SEAL. And it, when I think about war, like if you're talking about like modern war, I always think about the SEALs and, and how crazy that is. We're going to tell you a story real quick about uh, some stuff that they go through, and it's going to tie into what we're going with We Declare War uh, with this part two uh, about the war. So I came across this story about a um, Navy SEAL who was giving a, um, what do you want to call it? He was a speech, but he was out talking to a group of business leaders and um, retired leaders, but it was also businessmen and all different kinds of things, encouraging them about um, how to get through things and to encourage their business, uh, their businesses and their employees and all that kind of stuff. And he was standing there and he was talking to him. And part of the article just hit me. And it said, the Navy SEAL surf torture evolution. That's where the whole team, in this case, over 70 of us, link arms and lay on our backs, feet toward the shore and tops of our heads facing out toward sea while the waves of the ocean wash in. You can go ahead and put that up, Christy. As mentioned above, you can hear the ocean rumbling and waves breaking, but without seeing, you're never sure when they will next wash over you or for how long. While all of this is happening, something is washing over your mind as well. Fear. Fear that you may be drowning. After all that, our minds have a very ancient job to do bestowed upon them by instinct. Watch out for the threats to our existence. It is natural then that during surf torture, your mind may start to wonder and do its thing, running through various disaster scenarios, convinced that death could be rolling in with the next wave. What to know, want to know the secret behind how to get through this evolution? You see, if you get trapped in your own experience of surf torture, it's absolutely just that, torture. It's designed to be a psychological test even more than a physical one. You can constantly feel like you could be drowning. With every wave, you feel like you're going to get dragged out to sea. With every minute that ticks by, you get colder and have more trouble getting your breath and keeping your faculties. Your fight for, or flight instincts are pinging all over the inside of your brain looking for an escape hatch. The secret to getting through it all is to get fierce about protecting the people around you. You use all your physical strength to anchor your teammates against the riptide so that the team doesn't wash out into deeper water. You hold them tighter so that they can be warmer. You try to make them laugh, get them to sing, or just do anything to get everyone, everyone's mind off the fact that they are experiencing a gnarly challenge, and many of them are very scared. So that's how you survive surf torture. But here's the big lesson learned in those early morning waves. We want to become our best selves because our best selves are what the world needs right now. We need to be able to show up at our best every day and deliver service to others here on this planet. So I read that story and I look at these pictures of how they're literally holding tightly onto one another, not letting go. And what's crazy about it is, is God woke me up one morning at three o'clock in the morning before this started and he said, it's time to link arms. It's time to link arms. It's time to link together and hold on tight. It's time to hold on tight. And the best way that we can do that is through a few ways. See, wars are not won by single men or women, but individuals who unite together for the same cause. Let me say something real quick. When they link arms, they're holding tight together, so no matter what happens, they're in it together. And it's easily not drifting out to sea. A couple years ago, my mom's probably watching this right now, but we were in the ocean. I wasn't, she was, and she was laying in the ocean just kind of relaxing, 
laying with her feet into the water, and then she was just messing around and sat in the water and her feet towards the shore. Well, those undercurrents happened, and a riptide started to pull her back, pull her out, I mean. And by herself, she was just going in there, and she kept on flipping around. And my sister, Brianna, thought she was messing around. Like, what are you doing, Mom? And then all of a sudden, she's like gasping for air and saying, help me. And she wasn't even that deep. But she could not grab hold to grab her, her footing in shallow water. But it was, it was doing this over and over. But it, every time, it started to go deeper. And she could not grab hold. And Bree tried to grab her. And then she was going to go in. And then her husband, uh, Bree's husband, grabbed her. And literally went over there real hard and yanked her up out of there and picked her up in the air and carried. She was out of breath, gasping, like fear in her eyes that she was dying. And I think what happens is, is as we, come here, girl. Yeah, baby. You got long enough arms you could hold two of me. Well, come on, girl. <laughs> do what you got to do. <laughs> I could. But as we link arms, their arms are nice. As we link arms, we have, the more we link up, the better it's going to be. The harder it is to get, get separated. But the moment, I got to let you go. I love you. The moment we separate and we decide to isolate ourselves from the situation, we think that we can better off do this alone, on our own, and, or get upset about something like, I'm just getting out of this. I'm going to get upset and be by myself. What happens, like mom, is it started to, the situations, it started to roll and you start drowning in it and you you can't get out of it. And you you feel like that you're going to, you know, God, I'm just, I'm going to go here against the water and I'm going to try to make it on my own doing this. Battles are never meant to be alone. When you go to war, you go to war with a group of people. You're not going to win that alone. And that's why it's important to link together. And it's important to, to, to get together and hold each other. Because if not, we isolate ourselves in that situation. And then we start drifting out. And, and people are like, like what happened with mom at the beginning. She's like, what is this girl doing? thought she was jacking around. My mom's a great swimmer. she got a pool. I mean, she swims and all that. And then it became serious. Like, oh, she's, she's drowning for real. And... You know, you could be like, oh, you're just messing, and we just, because that's, you know, you kind of do that, mom, you tease us sometimes, and then it became serious. But sometimes, what if it's too serious and it's too late? We cannot get to a place where we isolate ourselves. Whatever the situation would be in, in, in anything, we have to, we have to link arms and not let go. They say, don't let go. Don't ever choose to try to let go, no matter what, no matter what happened, because it's, sometimes it's late at night, and they tell them to lay down. And you're taking the breath, and it crashes over you. And there, you saw it in the pictures. They're just waves of the, the people. But it, if you do let go, what you're going to do is whatever's on the other side of letting go, both sides are going to drift off. Yeah. Man, have you ever seen that happen? Have you ever been a, a part of a, a church split? That's not good. That's, I've seen that happen where just everything drifted off. That's not good. You've seen that happen when marriages drift off or friendships drift off or things like drift. And, and it's like we can't do that. You have to link up. 
You have to because the enemy, what did I say? I've said it so many times. When you declare war, all the enemy is going to try to do first is separate you. He wants to separate you so bad that you're not around anybody and you feel like you got this. But when you get into that, you get yourself into a place of isolation. So if you're taking notes, especially you youth kids, I want to let you know, number one, is a soldier isolated in their mind? Is a soldier separated from their team? A soldier isolated in their mind is a soldier separated from their team. See, the enemy's goal is to make you a prisoner of war in your own thoughts. If he can get to your mind, the battle's already won. Yeah. It's already won. See, he's already defeated you. If he can get here first, it doesn't matter how hard you fight. It doesn't matter what you do. If here already says you're defeated, then you lose. Yeah. You won't choose to you do won't, it. You won't keep going. Because eventually you'll give in to what your mind is telling you. Yeah. Fear is his tactic and defeat is his end game. He wants you to believe that you can't make it and that you have to look out for number one and number one is you. He doesn't want you to rely on anybody else around you. He doesn't want you to think about the teammates around you. He wants you to get lost in the waves that are crashing over you of your thoughts that are telling you, everybody's going to leave me. They're going to abandon me. I'm never going to be good enough. It's never going to make it. They don't love me. They don't like me. This is terrible. They aren't my teammate. They're going to turn on me just like everybody else had. So I'm just going to disconnect before they disconnect from me. That's how the enemy works. He plays games in your head. And just like the Navy SEAL said, he said, the best thing you can do to make it through the surf torture is he said, stop thinking about yourself and keep your eyes on the team. I'm holding on so that I'm not let go of my teammate. Well, what's crazy is self-isolation is just that. It's self-imposed. Yeah. Yeah. You did that. You chose to isolate yourself. You chose to relieve yourself from the team. Have you ever seen it where somebody could be holding on so tight and somebody just lets go? And that's the thing. You don't have to let go. Even with everything within you, when you feel like you can't keep going, you don't have to let go. Keep holding. Keep moving. Keep going. See, you must win the battle in your mind in order to fight on the field. And that's what happens. The biggest thing is any soldier would probably ever tell you is when they go out is you have to find that strength in your mind to fight that battle before you even ever get out there. Does that mean you're not scared? Absolutely not. That doesn't mean that fear doesn't attack and that it doesn't come in. Guess what it means? You just don't give in. See, we, it's not that we don't recognize what the enemy does and don't have to look and say, okay, this, this kind of scares me. I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm anxious. I got some things going on in my thoughts. But what happens is what creates depression, what creates anxiety, what creates, you know, uh, self-isolation, what creates those things. And I'm not saying they're not real because I've dealt with that myself. But what happens is what creates those to become labels and to take you away from what God's doing is when you give into them and allow them to be what you are. When you begin to just set in them and set in them and set in them and you separate yourselves from what is right by God. Yeah. I mean, you, you isolate, then you're separated. Simple. I mean, that's just real quick, simple. But see, the enemy, that's all he desires for you to be is alone alone and feel like nobody cares and you have to fight for that you have to fight to connect because that's why i and if you don't know 
when we have like the different ones that help serve in the church that are part of the greeting and host and in the kids ministry and the in the youth and uh, all the above every week every single week one thing that's common we rally together we we have a meeting every every sunday morning the greeters and hosts have a meeting the, the kids' ministry has a meeting. Thursday, they have a meeting in the back. Worship, we, we get together and have a meeting after, when we're doing our thing. Because it is so important to be on the same page. If there's any changes, or even if there's no changes at all, and we're just, just kind of reiterating or just speaking life, it is that vital that we stay together and connect and, and communicate together. If it becomes an issue for you, then maybe you got to check your heart why you're even thinking that way. You know what I mean? So for here at, at this house, we, we do that on purpose. It's with, with intent. We, we purposely get together. We purposely, we are very intentional on it because it is vital that we stay strong together. If not, it's just whatever, and then oh, somebody's going to do it, and that's going to, and then you don't know what's going on, but you want to, because this is, if we declare war, this is what it is. We're going to rally together. We're going to continue to do that. And we're going to go forward together. We're not doing it alone. And I'll tell you this. One thing that's a challenge that I think that for me, I'd rather be around somebody. You know what's going to help me through it? i got to find that strength in the Lord. I know for a fact. But what's really going to help me is being around people that are going to encourage and be hype about it themselves. You know what I mean? Like, I love being around people that help encourage and stuff. Like, like come on, like you can do this. Let's go. We're going to do this. It makes you like... Okay, we got this. Even though if you don't feel like it in that moment, it helps rally you up. I don't know if you've ever just wanted to be around somebody that's depressed and somebody that just always is negative. Like that SNL, Debbie Downer. Wah, wah, wah. Like always around. Like that's not, that's not for me personally, that's not some, I mean, I don't know if you like that or not, but that's not somebody I just want to go to when I'm just, I need, I I want to be around people that are going to, yes, we're all struggle. We do struggle. I get it. We all have different ones. But I pray that one of those people in that group is going to help lift me up. Yeah. Whether two of us are jacked up. You know, it doesn't mean that we ain't going to have problems. But you see what I'm saying? We have to get to that place of, like, oh, who you surround yourself with. What is the common theme with your friendships? What's the common theme with your family and all the stuff you do together? Is it all jacked up? Is everybody all always talking? Is everything always at chaos? Is there people that are going to encourage you through it when you feel like you're not? You can do this. Come on. You just lift it up. You can go through it. I had a friend, and he spoke here at a youth thing. His name's Barry Young. That is the most encouraging man I've ever met in my life, that you want to be around that man. And he just, he just finds the best out of you when you look at the worst in you all the time. You need people like that in your life that is always going to try to encourage you and tell you that all you have to do is get up or that this is half. No, it's half full. Take a drink. You need it. The grass is greener on the other side. No, just water your own. It's going to be green too. Don't always compare over there and see. And what happens if we look at all that, our mind, like she said, a, soldier's isola a soldier isolated in their mind is a soldier separated from the team. They could be there and not there at all. You ever had that? I mean, we had that on the way home with the students in the van. They were all just, they're there, but they're not there. That was Jada sitting they were, at dinner. They were like, everybody was zombied out because they just was like, I'm yeah. exhausted. And, but, but be around that when you're, you know when they're isolated in their mind, they're apart because they, they, they found some kind of strength to be apart. But there's like, anybody home? Hello. Missing two. 
hello, where's your coins? Rub them together. You're like, he's cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. Like, where, hello. You ever been around that? We're just like, are you here? Let's go. And, and I think it's, what happens is the enemy really tries to isolate the mind and then put these thoughts. And it says that in the Bible. Let me read this scripture. I'm going to read two, the same scripture twice in two versions. ESV says it. Romans 12, 2. It's one we know many times over. Do not be conformed to this world. Stop. Do not be conformed to this world. This is the biggest problem we have. This is an isolated mind that separates from the team is because we find comfort in the world than comfort in the spirit. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Man, there you go. Don't be afraid to shout it down if it's good. You can snap or clap, be loud, whatever you're doing. They got the snap thing. You better be loud. Okay. Do not. This is not poetry corner. They do that for golf too. Okay. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing, the renewing, you have to renew the mind. That by testing. Oh, hold up. Let me stop right there. Do we forget that part right there a lot of times? By test and who? Anybody like taking tests? I don't want this test. Where's God? I can't hear him in my test. When did the teacher talk during the test? Please understand. But he does talk before the test. He does give you instructions. And if you choose to write them down, and the answers are usually on the board before, you just never wrote them down. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By what? You got to help me this morning because I, I can't hear you. By what? Testing. testing. Nobody likes the testing. And all the testing at times, we want to blame the enemy for the things that has gone on by the, our mind getting jacked up. But if God says by the testing that we will discern, we have to have discernment. If you isolate yourself too long and go there, you're going to try to rally people around your isolation and you're on your own island somewhere. <laughs> thinking you declared war and you didn't. The enemy won. He declared war and you're trapped in his camp. It's good. Come on. It's good. Because what happens sometimes when we isolate, isolated people try to rally other people to isolate. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing. Oh, schools get ready to start. Students. And all the parents said, Amen. it's not that we don't love you. We just want you learning from eight to four. Um, <laughs> but the testing, how do, you, how do you pass a test? You've got to study for the test. You've got to get in the word. You've got to be paying attention. This, I, I, we created this look kind of like an outpost. And please know every week you come in here, it's going to be different every week for a little bit. You got to get what is being said so you can take it with you on We Declare War so we can start declaring it and knowing that, listen, oh, oh, the enemy, oh, he's trying to isolate me. I'm snapping for you. He's trying to isolate me. Uh-oh. He's trying to isolate me. I need to get back in the group. I need to hook up again. Uh-oh, I'm trying to slip. Wait, and then I'm trying to... 
Then you find other isolators and you create your own little huddle. <laughs> and I already said all that. But the testing will, and you may discern that. Let me read it in the message. I love it. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the message. I love the way the message puts it. I'm going to add a uh, verse one. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do today, Sunday. What's the date? The 8th? August 8th, 2021. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, and going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. <sighs> mm. As an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Stop. Hammer time. Here's the thing. You always wonder, what can I do? How do I, how do I like, connect with God? How, you know, like it's hard. He's God of everything, of all the earth. How do I connect? The best thing you can do is to embrace what God does for you is the best thing. When you embrace the things that God does for you, it says that is the best thing. So that's the, the hardest part was we always try to figure it out, but it says embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit right into it without even thinking. Don't become, this is where the isolation happens, I just slid it, because you became so well-adjusted to the things you keep dealing with that you slipped right back into it and you have detached yourself from your arms being locked with somebody else. Don't become so well-adjusted. Listen, if you've struggled with this in the past, you know where the signs are, so you got to have the strength because that's that testing, like the, the scripture said earlier, in that. Do not become so well-adjusted that you just fit into it. And I love that because that is so crazy without even thinking. I'm not even using my mind. It's just happening. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Fix your attention on God. When, why? Because you'll be changed from the inside out. When, well, but this is my attention. This is what's going on in my life right now. Or this is what's going on with my kids right now. Or this is what's going on with my finances right now. This is what's going on with my health right now. This is what's going on with the church right now. Fix your attention on God. On. You don't want to be isolated? Keep your attention on Him. You will stay connected in the fold. And he will change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. Anybody had that happen to you? You don't look the part, so you need to change this. Because they were more worried about your outer appearance before the inner appearance. Anyway. Readily recognize what he wants from you. And quickly respond to it. Readily recognize what he wants. What does he want from you? And then respond to it quick. Oh, well, you know, I'll get to that. You know, I'll probably... Uh, I'll do that later. Tomorrow, you know. If you don't just go ahead and respond now, what happens is your later becomes never. And then you wonder what happened. And then God kind of reminds you or sends somebody to speak into your life and said, remember right way over here when he already spoke to you and you needed to respond to it quickly? You have let that just go so far. You need to get back to responding to what he already said quickly so you can already advance. Because if we declare war, we need to declare war and respond quickly to what God asked us to do so we can get going in what he's asked us to do. Is that good? Amen. Good. 
unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that a great scripture? We got to live it, though. That's how we don't become isolated in our mind and detached from the team, is when we live out what he says. That in the end, when we readily recognize what he's asked us to do, that what God's going to do, see, this is twofold. He's like, I'm, I need you to do this. Oh, I'm just waiting on God's waiting on you. Why do we think he's not there? Because God wants to bring the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. You know how many immature people are out there? Wow. He wants to have that spiritual maturity grow in you. That your situation, you're not dictated by it anymore. Y'all have it, but it doesn't control me. It's around me, but it does not control me to the point of isolation. Because there's a battle, there's a war, and God is raising up a generation of people in this moment of time in history from old to young, from the wisdom to the ignorance. And he's using all of it, and he's stirring it up. And he's going to start developing the maturity out of it. Yeah. And that's where you take off and say, you know what? I'm not going to be isolated in my mind. I'm a part of the big picture. I'm a part of the team, the big capital C, the big church, the church of Jesus Christ in general, his army. I'm a part of that. And that's the reality. Some of you all went to ch church a long time ago and singing, marching in the infantry, riding the cavalry, shooting the artillery. But I'm in the Lord's army, right? we got to start walking this thing out. I think if you think about it, just like you were talking about is not separating yourself, but the fact of it is, is that, like I said, the enemy wants you to become a prisoner of war in your mind, but the only prisoner of war there should ever be are the thoughts that you capture yourselves. It's capturing the thought and stopping it before it makes a whole sentence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, nope. I'm going to stop that right there. I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to quit what's being said, even to my own self. Self, you need to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? Just tell yourself, hey, shush. Be quiet. Don't talk anymore. Talk to your head. Tell it to stop talking to you. At times, you have to Don't just keep it. going on and quit feeding it. And I love what 1 Corinthians 3 um, through five says in the Passion Translation, it says, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up to the defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow to the obedience of the anointed one. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Why are we sticking on this spot? Because what happens is if you are not connected and you are somebody who consistently thinks inwardly, then you lose your effectiveness outwardly. So good. 
If you continually think inwardly only of self and who you are and what you're going to get out of it, what's going to happen to me, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I'm going to hide behind my pride, behind my fear, behind my bitterness, behind my lies, behind my deceit, all those things that are in my thoughts, I'm going to hide behind those and I'm going to think inwardly and look out for number one, what happens is you lose your effectiveness Outwardly, which means you lose your ability to hold on tightly to your teammates who are getting washed out to sea. And in the end, what happens is the one that you are trying to protect is the one who ends up perishing. Self. God's not all about that. And so we have to get our minds focused on the team. What's the team doing? What are we here for? What's the purpose and what's the goal? We were meant to link arms. Number two, be the teammate that you yourself desire to to have. Be the teammate that you yourself desire to have. Sorry, my mic was doing weird things. You know how hard, because we all say that. Man, I just wish that. And then the challenge of it is, why can I be that? You know how hard it is to be what you wish? somebody else would be to you but you can because that changes everything you when you become that and but we always are in a mode of we have to see like like the results of that or is it worth it we say all that stuff but if God dwells within us we know that listen we can be better we can't we can it's a what we choose we choose this stuff I just wish somebody would just, you know, it would be nice if somebody could just, you know, every once in a while if somebody would just, but are you that teammate that you would keep talking that you wish would be in your life? Are you that person? What a challenge. But it can be done. Well, it takes a lot of self-reflection. And this is where we struggle. Because when we have to self-reflect, that means we have to dig deep, look deep, look way down inside, and allow the Holy Spirit allow his light to shed on the dark areas of our lights of our lives that we don't want anybody to see because it's always easy to see the dark spots on everybody else but not your own and the the fact of it is is that what do you constantly find yourself complaining about ask yourself that what do i constantly complain about and now ask yourself if you are better than what you complain about Are you any better than what you're complaining about? And be honest, not just like, yeah, because you want to say yeah for that moment. But are you any better than what you complain about? If you find yourself blaming others for what you yourself are not, you are not reflecting but deflecting. If you constantly blame others in your life for what you are not, you're not reflecting, you're deflecting. How many times have you seen arguments where somebody, well, if they wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done it. They started started that. If this wouldn't have happened to me when I was 13 years old, then I wouldn't be this way. If, If my dad would have stuck around, then things would have been different. If my mom wouldn't have been so controlling, things would have been different. If my friends would just you know, follow along with all that I want to do and, and agree with me, things would be different. If they, Do you see what I'm saying? What happens is we get these thoughts in our mind and it's always everybody else's fault for what we're not doing and why we're not doing that. And we don't achieve our dreams because somebody did something to not get us there. 
But in the end, there's always going to be a situation, a problem, a storm, a circumstance. There's always going to be somebody that's in your path that tries to deter you from what you need to be and where you need to be going. But as long as you know who you are and whose you are and can face up and allow the Spirit of God to reflect in yourself, you'll quit deflecting of why you're not something and become who you were really meant to be. So good. It's powerful. We live a life of deflection. Yeah. We do. Now it has become habit. We want to blame everybody for why we struggle. When in fact, yes, people do things that are hurtful. Yes, things have happened in your past. Yes, you have made bad choices. But the problem of it is, is if you choose not to take responsibility for your participation and going along with what, that, what was done, what happens is then everything everybody does to you in your life becomes offensive. That's a lot to take in. And what's hard is they will never, ever be good teammates to you because nobody's a good teammate because so-and-so did this a long time ago. And what happened is then you got to look at it and you're blaming everybody else for not being a good teammate when you yourself are your good teammate. Yeah. And you cast blame to somebody else that didn't do anything. You're like, why are you putting me in the same category? I felt like that with the church at times. Yeah. Like church is this. I've been hurt by church. I said, that's not fair to other churches that are a decent church or whatever don't put it all in one category or like a friend like i didn't do that to you why are you looking at me like i was that person that hurt you don't put me in that same category i didn't do that and we deflect instead of reflect like reflecting on the lord but also when you reflect and try to get things taken care of just like a couple weeks ago pastor josh was mentioning about being seated in christ when you're seated in christ seated in him you're seating with him the reflection that people should see is Christ in you. It's good. That's the reflection. There's that Jesus. He's not Jesus. It's that Jesus that lives within him. But reflection makes you vulnerable. And Absolutely. what happens is a lot of times when we go through a state of reflecting and asking God to show us. I mean, you think it, David meant that, you know, God just washed my heart when he said, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, he was saying, God, take care of everything that's in there. So show me what doesn't need to be there and reflect that to me. And what happened is, you know, David chose to allow God to change his heart. But the fact of it is, is that wars and battles aren't won playing the blame game. It doesn't work that way. They're won by people who take responsibility for their actions and who fight for a cause. It is okay to be vulnerable and have things go on. And yes, sometimes vulnerability in the midst of reflecting makes you a little ouchy because nobody likes to see what's actually wrong down inside of them. And so what happens is then we begin to, you know, don't touch me. You know, kind of that thing of like, I don't want to talk to you about things. And you know what I'm saying? You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reflect in you. And I love what James chapter 1, verse 23 through 25 says. It says, if you listen to the word... And don't live out the message you hear. You become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to truth, the truth that they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. They are what? Fascinated by the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. 
When he's talking about the truth shall set you free, the salvation of God is the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives, that he died for our sins. But to live and walk out salvation, we have to continually allow truth to be spoken into our hearts and into our lives in order to reflect who he is in that. That's a daily walking. That's a daily looking in the mirror of your soul and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you see in there that needs to be changed? And what do you want to do about it? Don't let me hide it. Don't let me cover it. What do you want to do about it? And what happens is when the truth comes to you, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how bad it may sound, no matter much you may feel like it's not good, you then become strengthened by the grace of God that comes and rises up in you because all of a sudden you take responsibility and say, okay, God, that is something to me, so I'm going to allow you to deal with it, and here we go. And you know what God does? He goes, okay, we're good with it. You know I'm going to deal with it, and now we can keep fighting. You can keep fighting. Just because you're wounded doesn't mean that you just stop. You just keep going sometimes. And sometimes, yeah, you have to be carried. And we understand that. Some wounds are pretty deep. But the problem of it is, it's not the fact that your wound isn't deep. It's the fact that you don't want to take responsibility for any part in it. And healing has to come when you look here first. That's where it comes from. Why do you think Jesus Christ said forgiveness isn't for the offender, but for you? It's for you. Forgiveness is for you so that you can be free from those things, so that you can allow God to come in and set you free from those things. And what happens is when you reflect on yourself, you become a better teammate because you become what you wish everybody else was. And that's the point. That's the key. And I think... Today, just sticking even right there on where we are, I know that God is wanting to speak in these things, but I think if we would be willing to look, this is tough, and I know there's more to get into, but honestly, I think we need to hold for a moment. And the reason I think that is because we need to reflect on where we are. We need to reflect like David did. We need to reflect like what he said of creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because the problem of it is, is we've got to quit looking at all the offenses in our lives and, and, and move on. You aren't, the problem of it is, is we're stuck fighting the same battle that we were fighting a long time ago when Jesus Christ already won that battle for you. And you're stuck there when God's trying to tell the army to advance. He wants you to advance. But it takes reflection. It takes looking inside. And we all have to do it. We all have to do it. Every single one of us. And it's every day. If something's bothering you, don't look at, well, they bother me because they did this. Did you stop and think, why is that bothering me, God? Why does that seem like it's such a big deal to me? Why, why does when this happens that somebody does this or, or my kids say this or my husband, you know, doesn't do this, why does it bother me so bad that it gets me to a point that I disconnect, that I, that I remove, that I'm just like, I don't want to be around you. And, and you know what's so funny is people more emotionally exile people than they do physically. <laughs> Think about it. Your emotions, the things that you do, can tell somebody from far off that you don't want any part of who they are. 
And what happens is the reason I think that happens is because if we would deep down search and ask God why we do those things, why those things are offensive to us, he would say, okay, this is why, because maybe this happened when you were younger and now you've let it stir up and stir up and stir up. And so you've kept a guard in your heart against, you know, these things ever happening. So you're like, this isn't going to hurt me anymore. And so I'm just going to act this way. It's just natural. It's that fight or flight response. And in order for us to be good teammates, to work together as a team, we have to choose to reflect inside so that we can win wars and and take a stand. Because guess what? The person next to you in the battle isn't always going to take the right step and isn't always going to make the right move. And they aren't always going to say what you like and they aren't always going to do what you want. But if you know for a fact that they are doing their best to be the best teammate and you're doing the best to be the best teammate, then those little things won't keep you from winning the battle. They'll just go, okay, it ain't that big of a deal to overly worry about right now. We're going to hold tight and keep moving forward because we have one battle, one cause, one team, one purpose, one victory. And that's the point. It's for one goal. And, that, and I think that's just the key is where we are today is looking at, do I, ask yourself, do I find myself deflecting more than I reflect? Seriously. Do you find yourself, we deflect a lot when we complain about a lot. Because it's easier to find what's wrong with everything than look at what's right and look inside. It's easier to look outwardly. But when you look inwardly, God begins to move and changes the effectiveness of who you are for the team and for the purpose of the battle. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I know that's tough. It's not a fun, cuddly word. It's, it's really tough for all of us. And what's crazy is even writing this, And thinking about it now, we ourselves, just because we're pastors and leads of the house doesn't mean that we don't have to reflect inside as well and and daily ask God to help us on, on our own turf, on our own battles, the battlefield of this mind right here. How, God, do we not allow things to be so big of a problem? Do we complain about these things? Are these things bigger than what they should be? And what happens is God begins to come in and, and reflects, but it's what you do with it that makes the difference. You have to apply what you learn in reflection. Yeah. You have to apply what you learn. And that's the importance about this blueprint. What good is this map if you never follow its instructions? At, uh, at the camp, Pastor Josh was talking about one of the services. He was, or, yeah, I was at the camp. It's been a long week. Um, he was talking about what's your struggle? What do you struggle with? And they went around the room, and people were talking about different things. And and I, I made it. They, they, you know, it was asked of me, and I said, my struggle that that keeps you from going forward, or something. You said something like that. What's what's your struggle that stops you or keeps you from going forward? When you declare war, war isn't one backwards. You go forward. We fight in the cause of Christ. And I said, you know, my struggle. I started thinking about it. I was like, my struggle is getting overwhelmed and consumed with other people's problems that I cannot fix. And in that, in that, it can almost isolate your mind. In that, you can get to a place where you're just no good. 
because you're, 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 you're consumed with it because you love people and you want people to be better. But again, this whole thing for this, this part, there's more to this sermon. We just canceled it. We got to stop it in this part because there's, there's a part two to this because there's a whole another section to this, this whole thing we're talking about. And you don't want to miss that section. It's, it's the back end that is so powerful. Um, but we just know that in this moment that there's a lot that, that's unloaded. And that's the great thing about church. Here's the reality. Just keep coming back. Well, I feel like we got to just throw it all out and give you so much. that You know, when you eat something rich, you just can't eat a lot of it. You got to eat in sections. And that's okay. But the whole thing is, is what we talked about in this first section of this is that it is you. It is I. It's the individual. If we're declaring war and we got to look at this and the isolation that we have sometimes in our lives or, or uh, do you want to be, you know, be that teammate. Be the what you desire. Be what you desire somebody else to be in your life. And you have to look at that. You know, that for what they said at camp. And I said, you know, sometimes that's, that, that can be overwhelming. And that could cause me to slow down because I'm like, but there's, there's nothing I can change. It's the individual. I have to change me. Like David said, search my heart, oh God. And we all have to have that reflection. We declare war and we want to move forward. We have to do the right thing. God creates a standard. We have a standard and we move forward. Because in the end, it's about the whole picture. As we build, as, as remnants start gathering together, look through the Bible, the word remnant. Look through it and see what happens. Look through the Bible when war goes on and, and, and they have a war happening. Guess what they say? We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know what's going to happen. How are we going to win this? How's this happening? We got war going on. And somebody pipes up, excuse me, King, there's still a remnant over here willing to fight look through the bible and watch how many times it said there's still a remnant ready to fight there's still a remnant that's that's still got the cause of Christ there's still a remnant willing to do it there's still a remnant watch watch what happens and I think it's, it's, it's that. I need to check myself do I isolate myself where I'm just drifting away do I, am I the friend that I would desire somebody to be in my life and maybe you are in some aspects. But the other aspects, maybe not. And those are the things we all have to look at and work on and say, why, first of all, why do I act that way? Why does that happen in my life? Why am I easily triggered in that moment for that situation? Why does that? So that's the stuff that you have to search in me, God. God, I might be doing great in this part, but this part of it, I'm not so great. And you know what? When you're just honest with yourself about it that's the greatest thing you can be i've said this many times it doesn't matter a church life it doesn't matter if it's work it doesn't matter if it's family the lack of communication will destroy everything if we don't communicate it's over it destroys it well the same goes with you and god if you don't communicate it's over you start feeling what well, we need to have a community. That op- that's an open communication. Do not put the cap on it. Don't cap it like it's over. Keep it open. We're going to sing this. And these altars are open. And we're just going to have a little self-reflection. That's, I mean, that's it. Because we can deflect all we want all day long. But we have to reflect. And in the end, it's God search my heart.
Search my heart in this. We declared, word God, you got something up. And I'm telling you guys right now, this is a time in history, I promise you, that you'll never forget what is about to happen. And listen, and you're going to see, like, man, I remember that one time years ago when that church, Remnant Church, said we declare war, and it disrupted the whole city. It changed everything. It changed the church. Other churches got involved on it. They started declaring war in their city and their churches. We... We have preached this. If you've grown up in church, you have heard this over and over and over. And it's time to do something about it. It's time to declare war. That's how battles were won. We're going to worship. Take the time. Lift it up to him. Reflect. If you need to come and spend a few moments at the altar, we're going to sing it a little bit. And then I'm going to pray and dismiss you.